once again, Max Verstappen too good. We could record this and put it on repeat. Just about each and every time we start off with our next guest here on the program. He is FIA accredited journalist and host of the F1 Strategy Report. Michael Laminato is with us. Michael, good afternoon. Hello, mate. Good to be here. Glad to have you here with us. Now, as I mentioned off the top, Max Verstappen, once again, the best in the business when it comes to Formula One racing. Too good in the Red Bull, but uh, I did want to start with um, some Aussies because we had a couple out on the grid and it was the return of Daniel Ricciardo. He finished in P13. It was a nice little finish for him in the race uh, to get as high as P13. He beat his teammate in Yuki Tsunoda. What did you make of Daniel Ricciardo's return to Formula One? It was pretty much as good as we could have hoped for, I think. He said afterwards, and this is sort of the crux, people will think, oh, well, 13th isn't so impressive. First of all, he's in probably the slowest car on the grid, so it's not so bad. He actually said he was feeling so confident with the way his race ultimately ended up going in terms of his pace that had he not been punted off the road at the very first corner of the race by Joe Guanyu, he reckons he probably could have scored points. And the top 10 finish, I mean, it's only happened twice for this car all year against some pretty unusual circumstances just for that to happen. So it kind of shows you where his head is at. It was always a big unknown coming into this race. Obviously, he said he felt rejuvenated and ready to come back, but we obviously don't know what kind of state of Daniel we were going to get until he actually started driving the car. And the whole weekend really ended up being pretty solid, pretty positive. He just out-qualified his teammate, Yuki Tsunoda. was only sort of less than a tenth of a second in Q1 and then ended up being forced places ahead. And despite being punted off the road with a strategy that he kind of dictated from the cockpit, a pretty ambitious one, he had to go 40 laps on one set of tyres, ended up finishing ahead of Tsunoda as well. So he's kind of ticked all the boxes he really needed to for a first weekend back. Of course, if we're thinking about the direct comparison with Tsunoda, we know Yuki is going to hit back this year. He is a pretty good driver and he's very much at home in that team. So we can't take it as red that that is just the state of play at the moment. But you know, no major or no mistakes at all, in fact. Got to grips with the car pretty quickly. This is a pretty difficult track as well, so a big tick there. And then, yeah, points that potentially could have got him, uh, pace that potentially could have got him into the points. It's all around a, a pretty good success for race one. He'll get to back it up this weekend in Belgium as well. That'll be an interesting second test. But I think we can be pretty pleased with where he's arrived. Yeah, I think so too. It was great to see Daniel Ricciardo back out there. And, yeah, like you mentioned, a great recovery to be able to uh, to come back and, and nearly uh, take some points. Yeah, unfortunately, just P13 in the end. But, uh, yeah, great start for Danny Rick. Uh, now, we did have another Aussie in action, and he fared a little better, finishing in P5 in the McLaren, uh, although his teammate Lando Norris did finish on the podium and in second position. And, uh, well, there was a bit of a McLaren decision in terms of an undercut and when uh, the two boxed. Uh, I'm not too sure how it all worked out for Oscar Piastri. What did you make of his race and uh, and McLaren overall? Another great race for McLaren. Everyone they're, they're putting these three races in a row now that, that Norris in particular is looking good, and that's because of the first race way back at the start of the month in Austria. He was the only one with the big upgrade package. Oscar didn't have it then. They've both got the same car now, and in the last two races, Silverstone and here both been pretty much on each other's pace, so that's a good tick for Oscar, and but in particular for the team, because this is a just phenomenal step forward. You know, we've done three tracks now, all relatively different. The only thing we're really missing now is a, a real street circuit to validate it. But at all of these tracks, McLaren's been pretty much the second quickest team behind Red Bull, 
more or less on par with Mercedes. You know, Lando Norris said McLaren's just executing better than Mercedes at this point, and they're actually pretty close, which probably a fair comment to make. I think even if he's always a little bit glass half empty, as you could interpret that comment, it's a really good sign, first of all, for McLaren, for Norris to get two second places in a row. As with Piastri, his race did look like it was about to be undone in a way by a strategy call, as you mentioned, the first pit stop. Uh, Lewis Hamilton was behind them. Both McLaren jumped Hamilton off the line, in fact, and responded by pitting Norris, who was third behind Piastri first, which is a little bit unusual. Normally, the driver in the lead gets the benefit of the first pit stop because normally whoever stops first gets a little bit of an advantage because they're on fresher tyres sooner. As a result, Norris stopped, then Piastri stopped, and Norris got ahead of Piastri. And it wasn't intentional. You know, the team... It is kind of interesting because to me, it seems like the team perhaps panicked a little bit with that call. They ended up having more than enough buffer to cover Lewis Hamilton. But they're just so eager to make sure they maximise this pace while they've got it because there's still this kind of pervasive sense that we're going to rock up for the next race and suddenly the car is going to be slow again. It's almost like they haven't quite believed what I can kind of understand it from that perspective. And CEO Zach Brown said afterwards that actually they were talking about at the end of the race maybe swapping them back because they kind of recognised that it was a little bit of a bit of a dud call for Oscar. But in the end, it actually didn't amount to anything because Piastri picked up four damage, roughly halfway race and, and kind of faded and ended up finishing fifth. So while he sort of copped the blame himself, the responsibility, and said, I need to figure out why I wasn't as quick as Lando, a lot of it was down to car damage in the end, they discovered, part of the way through the race and then confirmed afterwards. So... We can't really read anything into that gap. It was about half a minute in the end because of the car problem. Overall, we can only really say great results for McLaren. And, well, we've got confirmation that Piastri, when the circumstances of the car is right, mm. is pretty much as quick as Lando, which is pretty great considering where he is in his career. Yeah, it's great to see the turnaround for McLaren in recent weeks, and we hope they have a great finish to the year. Uh, let's get on to Max Verstappen now because I mentioned it off the top, but... Uh, just once again showed why he is the best in the business. This was uh, well, it was the most dominant win, in fact, since uh, 2021. And even that last win, which was Lewis Hamilton's in the wet in Russia, was sort of compromised by the wet weather. This was the biggest win of the year. No safety cars or virtual safety cars to kind of dilute the ultimate advantage. Ended up being about 33 seconds over Lando Norris as it was. No one really got close. Was somewhat more galling, I guess, for anyone watching, considering he didn't start from pole. Lewis Hamilton pinched pole, and we thought maybe, you know, if Hamilton can keep the lead, it's sort of a little bit difficult to pass in Hungary. Maybe we'll be on for a really good race. And in the end, well, it was absolutely dominated by Max. In the end, the team said, and, and so did Max, that actually the disadvantage in qualifying for one lap was because the team was trading one lap pace for race pace. Clearly, that was pretty devastating in the end. They made the balance pretty much spot on. Only three thousandths away from getting pole, it could have been an absolute clean sleep of a weekend, and that's kind of been the case all year. The, the cars always looked a little bit closer, tantalisingly close, maybe in qualifying for the other teams, and then kind of blows them away on Sunday. And this is the twelfth in a row now for the team, dating back to last year's season-ending Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So eleven in a row for this year, twelve overall, and that twelve overall is a new record in Formula One. No team has ever won twelve races in a row ever in Formula One history. It eclipses the legendary 11 in a row set by McLaren in 1988 when I had Senna and Alan Prost were at the team. A remarkable combination. Max is certainly in that pantheon of greats. Uh, with no disrespect to Sergio Perez, I feel like Trump probably not uh, lifting his weight in the sense of that comparison with McLaren, but nonetheless, two of the wins were his and credit to him. And 
credit to the team too. You know, Max said afterwards, it's very easy to kind of dismiss, oh, you know, the car is very quick and they're just doing what the car deserves to do. But the team is just operating on such a high level. You know, we talk about that compromise between qualifying and the race that they pretty much nailed. Or even the fact that uh, they've set a new benchmark as well this year in terms of fastest pit stop, 1.9 seconds for Sergio Perez at one point. The whole team is operating on such a high level consistently. For this amount of time, that is just impressive. Like, it's rare in any sport, any athlete, any team sport, for a team to be absolutely unstoppable for this amount of time. And realistically, we, okay, probably they're not going to win every race. It just seems unlikely. But they have won now half of the entire season. It feels like it could be within reach for an unprecedented clean sweep of an entire year. And if they can manage that, I mean, that's just such a huge competitive achievement, regardless of whether you think the car is handing, to them, handing it to them or not. For a team to operate on that level for that amount of time, you can only take your hats off to them because it's an enormous performance. Hey, Michael, how's how's Ferrari doing at the moment? <laughs> They're hurting, I think. They're not doing well. <laughs> they weren't even... We haven't mentioned them at all, have we? Because we talk about McLaren being second best, Mercedes kind of being thereabouts, Ferrari and even Aston Martin, which is kind of interesting in its own way, just mm. weren't really in that battle for the podium to be the second quickest team. For Ferrari, it's really kind of been the same thing it's been all year, which is they just can't get the car to work with the tyres consistently. They've got tyre wear problems. The wear problem has kind of got a little bit better over the course of the years they've brought upgrades. But it's really interesting to hear sort of race after race now the drivers say, well, you know, on this tyre compound, the car was oversteering. On this one, it was understeering. And sometimes it's changing even from corner to corner. It's a real unpredictability, kind of similar actually to what McLaren was dealing with last year, where they you just have to drive the car differently almost from corner to corner. And it's really frustrating for the drivers because every now and then when things click, we see pretty good pace. Uh, like Ferrari looked relatively competitive in practice for this round. And then they just kind of blown away as the weekend goes on. And just wasn't really working out for them. Charles Leclerc even had, of all problems, A, he had a radio problem, which meant he had to really yell down the radio at his engineers sort of comical when you've been watching Ferrari do this for so long. <laughs> then he even said he had no drink bottle because the tube from the bottle to his helmet was too short. I don't even know how you make that problem. It should be the same tube every week, I would have thought. So it's just it's just very Ferrari at the moment, isn't it? They're just not nailing it in the way they need to be considering the car is not inherently good enough to golf. And, I mean, increasingly you think they're going to have to be next year because mm. this year I feel like it's going to be turning kind of good. They just need to hit the ground running for 2024. Hey, uh, Michael, anything else to uh, to point out from the weekend before we do take a look at uh, where we're off to next? I thought it was interesting that Sergio Perez feels like he bounced back. Now, we did talk about only a couple of weeks ago in Austria that it felt bouncing back too, so let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but got into the top 10 shootout. Yes, qualified ninth, which is a bit underwhelming, but did at least make the top 10, did not uh, embarrassed himself, let's say, as he sort of has in previous rounds. And then the race was actually really, really solid. Like, we see, we saw a, a kind of aggression in Perez we haven't seen since the start of the year, really confident in the car. Clearly, the car was working in this race, but nonetheless, and wasn't afraid to put moves on virtually anyone he came across. Came very close to finishing second. It was only kind of back markers and some tyre troubles that, that, that made that, I think, it was that three-second gap to Norris in the end. So a really good performance from him. One, I think that'll build his confidence a bit, which is really what he needs. The fact that he didn't just start and finish third, but raced there. 
So we'll wait and see how he goes in Belgium. But if this is the start of a turnaround for him, I think it's not a moment too soon for Red Bull. You mention it. Off to the Belgian Grand Prix next. Yeah, I mean, one of the classic tracks, isn't it? Weird that it's before the break. Normally it's afterwards, but the calendar has fallen in this way this year. And I mean, it's a track that has Red Bull racing written all over it, but let's be honest, which track doesn't this season? But a really interesting test again for McLaren. You know, this is a track that should suit the car, but there are some really key, very slow corners there that might trip them up, might bring some other cars into contention. But it is going to sort of set the tone for the second half of the year. You know, we've mentioned Ferrari struggling. Aston Martin has weirdly struggled for the last month or so now couple of teams need a good result. Alpine 2, another double DNF because of that first mm. lap crash. A couple of teams would love to go into the break on a bit of a high. Whether or not anyone can do it, though, it's always tricky in Belgium. And I've looked at the forecast. seems like there's going to be rain every day. So good luck to everyone out there and can't wait to see what happens. Michael, a pleasure. As always, thank you very much for your time and uh, can't wait to speak again very soon. Thanks, mate. Looking forward to it. Thank you. There he goes, Michael Laminato.